It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. the Saturday session and we've got some great music playing to start off there with our producer Huckleberry but I'm alone I'm alone it's uh it's lonesome in the studio here in Wellington Daniel McCarty is on official SENZ business he's gone to the Rugby World Cup and he's just flown over to France as he does swanning around So it's my turn to get the boot in for Daniel, who's absent, but we will hear from him. I am told that there's a little bit of a sound bite that may have came through. Uh, Logan Swinkles was telling me, but it hasn't been all uh, peachy flight for um, our host, Daniel McCarty. Apparently they had a few wines on the way to Melbourne last night, and uh, they had quite a big layover there. But the flight attendant accidentally spilt orange juice on him. And she felt so bad for him that she got him more wine, as you do. Uh, But by all accounts, they've been well behaved. They've enjoyed a breakfast of sausages, scrambled eggs, and a croissant. And uh, now they're binge-watching Perry Mason. So it's been a long flight to Dubai. Daniel McCarty is not in the show. It's going to be myself and producer Huckleberry. But we've got a great show coming up. Uh, What is there to look forward to? Well, we want to hear from you uh, from 10 to 11. Uh, mainly, but you can phone or text at any time, 0800-150-811 or double eight double three. text us. Love to hear about the sporting weekend ahead. We've got on the show today, we've got Swinging Both Ways, we're going to patch into my mate Christian Sizen with his strong Australian accent. He's coaching Moorabbin, but we want to hear from him about World Cup, maybe a few stories um, that he may have. I know he's got a particular story about Russell Crowe that he wants to share with everyone. Well then, from 11.39 to 11.50, we're going to speak to David Choate. Obviously, Premier League has just kicked off, and all my Everton mates that are um, in my supporters group, there's only eight of you, I know, uh, but you will be eagerly awaiting, I guess, the uh, outcome of the Premier League this season. Uh, we've got Tim who I know will be doing his DIY at the moment, Richie from the New Zealand Defence Force, Peter, our banker, and we've got Mike and Chris, the grocer, and uh, Andrew, an equity advisor, all our Everton supporters, and Everton find themselves at the bottom of the league. So speaking to David Choate about that, previewing the English Premier League. And then we've also got, from 12 o'clock, we're going to speak to Thomas Waldrop. He 
has been on the show many times. We're going to talk All Blacks and Rugby World Cup. I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about New Zealand's chances, especially suffering that huge loss recently. Where are we at? Where are we at? How are we thinking? What is this Rugby World Cup looking like for us? And I do have some predictions. I've managed to forage away and find some predictions leading up to the World Cup, and it's a pretty mixed bag. But France seems to be dominating. And 12.34 to 12.46, we're going to speak to Blake Ashford, um, ex-Warriors centre. We'll speak about the Warriors, up the Waz. Uh, it has been an outstanding run of form for the Warriors so far. They are on fire. And you'd say that they're flying towards the finals after seasons of mediocrity. The country is going absolutely nuts about the Warriors. First up, I think we're going to get to the headlines. Your sporting headlines for the weekend so far. Well, round 27 of the NRL is underway. Final round of the NRL regular season is underway, and the Warriors will take on the Dolphins tonight from Suncorp Stadium. Last night, the Sea Eagles put on a monster performance against the West Tigers as they put 54 points on them. The Sea Eagles defense was also on display as they held the West Tigers to only 12 points. The Black Caps, I woke up this morning and watched the Black Caps suffer yet another loss to England in their second T20, but it was by a huge margin. They lost by 95 runs. England set a very respectable total, I'd say more than respectable um, a total, it was a mammoth total of 198 after 20 overs, which was led by Johnny Bairstow's 86 um, of 60. And Harry Brook got 67 of 36. Harry Brook was omitted from their World Cup squad. So he's certainly come to form. The English bowling was also too dominant for the Kiwis as the Black Caps were all out for 103 after just 13.5 overs. And we've got some audio from that game. Atkinson bowls and gets another one. He's on a hat-trick. No, he's not. It's game over. <laughs> All 10 wickets falling inside 14 overs. Lockie Ferguson swings and misses. They win by 95 runs. England are 2-0 up. And Atkinson, 4 for 20 at the first time of asking. That is a, a very impressive performance. Full and straight on the money. The Manchester crowd get the result they want. New Zealand all out for 103. And after doing quite a lot of good with the ball, they still conceded too many and they never looked in the hut with the bat. Yes, yeah, a disappointing finish there for the Black Caps who are going to be licking their wounds and reflecting on what they need to do with their batting. A FIBA World Cup upsets alert. The second round of the FIBA Basketball World Cup is in full swing and there have been some upsets in the first round. Our good friends from across the ditch, the Boomers, have been eliminated, suffering a loss to Slovenia. 91-80, led by NBA star Luka Doncic. Powerhouse Canada are handed their first loss in a major upset to Brazil, 65-69. English Premier League match day four is underway. Match day four of the English Premier League is underway with Luton Town taking on West Ham United. West Ham United seemed too strong for the newly promoted Luton Town as West Ham won the match 2-1. A late goal from Luton Town in the 90th minute saw a glimmer of hope for the side, but they failed to score a second and equalise. Those are your headlines for this weekend. 
And I guess there's so many talking points coming up for this weekend now. When you think of the sport, Rugby World Cup, obviously, what are your thoughts there? Give us a call, 0800-150811. We've got the Warriors, exciting game tonight. And the Black Caps, how are we feeling about that loss with the Black Caps? Um, waking up this morning and, and having a look at that T20 International, um, you know, a loss in the first one where New Zealand just limped to 139 for nine and England then beating them in just 14 overs. And it looks like our batting is just really suffering at the moment. I guess we, we've got a lineup there, Finn Allen, who scored 21 in the first game. Hasn't really, I guess, taken the game to the opposition since he's occupied that position. And how are we feeling about the lineup? How are we feeling about mainly that batting lineup? I think it's something that Daniel McCarty and I have spoken in depth about is what does that look like? Is Kane Williamson going to be coming back into the fold as well? And I heard some whispers while I was in in Miami playing the T10 over there. Craig McMillan, who thought that he was actually in good nick. So um, that will be an interesting one. Some talkback topics for you to think about. Huckleberry, are you there? Of course I am, Grant. I'm always here, mate. Okay, I can't see you on my camera. That's why I'm asking. Um, <laughs> mate, you you would have been watching the FIBA. Of course, uh, mate. Cup. Been all amongst okay, so, it. Yeah, so how's that going? Well, basketball in full swing. Obviously, the boomers, they'll be they'll be devastated. Devastated. I really expected them to go far in this tournament, so watching them lose to Slovenia by 11 points, man, it did hurt. It did hurt, you know, friends across the ditch. I did have them going quite far as like I thought they were going to make a top four seed, maybe making the semifinal, but I guess they are out in the groups that second group stage of the tournament, which is very unfortunate. And yeah, watching Canada lose to Brazil, that is huge. Canada have a full NBA team. There's about seven NBA starters in their team, and losing to Brazil is... It's crazy. I, I didn't expect it. Okay, I mean, it's well, a very low-scoring game, but put that into perspective. What would that be like? The All Blacks losing to? Oh, that'd be like the All Blacks losing to oh, Scotland in the World Cup. Okay. I reckon similar. Okay, so not too bad. Devastating, but not too bad. It's not like you're losing to, I guess, Georgia. No, or someone like that. Okay, okay. So, so decent team, but. Uh, the stars are there, though, aren't they? Yes, they are. Canada have a very, very strong side. So it was interesting to see them only put up 65 points, considering how dominant they've been throughout the tournament. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. They're not out yet. They still have one more game left to qualify for the for the quarterfinals. So I'm sure they will. I don't see them losing another game. I really do see Canada making it all the way to the finals, probably against Team USA. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does surprise me that the stars are there because I, I almost feel that sports reaching that height now where privately owned teams will not allow their players to go and play in World Cups and represent their country because they're paying them too much. But obviously there's some NBA stars there that think of this uh, tournament as being something of, of quite a headline in their career. 100%. And I know it does have a risk of injury and whatnot, and a lot of players haven't gone to the World Cup. Like a lot of players on Team USA, obviously you you know have LeBron, KD, Steph, all the all the big names over there. But nah, like a lot of the players in the smaller nations are definitely trying to make their country proud. That's for sure. 
Yeah. Oh, no. Well, uh, I haven't seen much of it, I must admit, but I know basketball now is just such a popular sport. When we see the, the numbers maybe stabilizing, not so much declining in, in the major sports like cricket and rugby, we're seeing the numbers climb in basketball, badminton, volleyball, those indoor sports. So, yeah, uh, definitely a sport to watch out for and one that, you know, I just come across so many parents who have kids overseas now that are, have got scholarships and playing in America. So exciting sport. But one of the things I've got for you, Huckleberry, today that I've been thinking madly about is um, a talkback topic for all our listeners. Now, <laughs> I heard a very funny story about, it was Adam Gilchrist, and it wasn't on a show that's more popular than SCNZ. It may, it may have been on SCNZ, but not as popular as the Saturday session, obviously. And he was relaying a story about Matthew Hayden and the celebrations that Australia got up to. Now, I found the article, and I'm going to try and read through it here, but what happened was it began as an idea for the most epic rendition of the Australian team song ever sung. Now, for those people that don't know, Australia or most teams will have a team song or team chant that they have when they win a series. And Australia always have their, their team song. And no one can leave the evening after the team song has been sung. And they've got the custodian of the song, um, who in this case I think was Shane Warne. And in many cases it was Shane Warne. So as soon as Shane Warne says, okay, right, we can sing the song, they sing the song, and then you know everyone's free to go and do what they want but it's normally sung quite late into the hours after a series win so this team song um, rendition it ended up with Australian test legend Matthew Hayden nude on top of a cable car climbing to the top of a mountain now Adam Gilchrist shared the story of Hayden's own nocturnal mischief the scene is Cape Town South Africa picturesque space city surrounded by the famous table mountain and Australia just won the first test of its three-test series against the Proteas in March 2006 by seven wickets. And it's time for the Australian team song to be sung in its traditional Under the Southern Cross Stand anthem. But for some reason, Justin Langer, the team's official choir master, hasn't called them together yet. A couple of beers inside the Newlands dressing room became a couple of quiet few beers while the players, including Shane Warne, Andrew Simons, and Captain Ricky Ponting, wait for Langer to give the nod. So he was obviously the custodian of the song then. Ricky and Justin just started to get a little creative about where we sang the song, Gilchrist said. We were all sitting in the change room waiting, wondering, when is this song going to happen? Justin calls it because he's in control. Hours went by until about 11pm he organizes us into a bus and we get driven up to the base of Table Mountain in Cape Town. And they'd somehow conjured the guy who runs the cable car up to the top of the mountain to somehow allow us to take it up to the top to sing the song looking out over the city. Everyone who's been there knows it's stunning. The players file into the cable car and it begins to climb to the top, 1,086 meters above sea level, summit near Lion's Head at the western end of the famous mountain. Everyone's pumped about what Langer has cooked up for the team, but Hados reckons something's missing. So one thing leads to another, and with a chorus of cheers and stunned laughter, Hayden, one of Australia's greatest batsmen, strips down to his birthday suit and starts opening the manhole latch cut into the roof of the car. 
To his teammates' surprise, it opens, and even more surprising is that Hayden is an impressive climber. Pulls himself up, plants his feet on the roof, and begins to surf the cable car as the swirling high-altitude winds sweep around him. Most blokes in the cable car are safe and sound, and Hados is on the roof of the cable car, naked with only fabric on him as an Aussie flag draped around his shoulders. Anyway, the story continues, and Adam Gilchrist talks about how they made their way down, and fortunately they, they put all their clothes back on, and the wives and girlfriends were waiting to enjoy the celebration. Now, I thought that that was, and please drink responsibly, uh, children, but... <laughs> That was one of the most epic, I think, um, celebrations to a sporting event. Surely our listeners out there will have celebrations that they have either been witness to or have heard of. I mean, climbing on top of a cable car, which is moving to the top of Table Mountain nude with the Australian flag, has to be up there with one of the biggest celebrations of all time. Huckleberry, I don't know if you've experienced anything. I've had a few celebrations in my time. Some could say, you know, playing a bit of basketball throughout my life. But I don't think anything could ever top that story. (laughs) (laughs) It is an absolute epic one. I I was sitting at uh, breakfast and my son had had his birthday party. So he had five five of his mates over for a sleepover. I don't know why they call it a sleepover because I think their goal is to not sleep. But I asked them, I told them the story, and then I asked them, I said, oh, have you guys got any stories? And one of their kids, they're 11, 12, and he said, oh, yeah, my, my uncle's got a friend. And, um, yeah, he just, he got nude after a game and just ran around, and they got it on on uh, on video. Uh, yeah, he's a bit weird. So <laughs> nudity always does seem to come into celebrations in, in male teams, but um, there must be some listeners out there that have witnessed some celebrations of note uh, because winning a, a team, a, a, an epic tournament where that adrenaline is just running uh, must fire up the people in the team to do something stupid. So text in double eight double three, call us 0800-150-811. We want to hear from you and we'll take a break. See you on the other end. Just a young gun with the quick fuse. I was uptight, wanna let loose. I was dreaming of bigger things and wanna leave my old life behind. Not a yes, sir, not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, 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 thunder. Thunder. Well, that's what we saw from the England T20 team this morning absolute thunder off the blades from them 198 and let's hope there's no thunder where Daniel McCarty is who will be 36,000 feet in the air traveling with our mate Logan Swinkles from SENZ they're off to the Rugby World Cup they're on a junket absolute junket uh, to deliver the beautiful Delta tones of Daniel McCarty over the SENZ waves, and that's why he's not here today. He's absolutely abandoned us, hasn't he, Huckleberry? He's just left us on an island, hasn't he? Just ditched us, gone to France, eat some croissants, some snails, some frog legs. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and hasn't left a life raft either. I did ask him. I said to him, I said, mate, am I doing this show on my own? He's like, 
Well, I think you'll be right. And he said he said he would patch himself in, but I don't know what that meant. I don't know how you can do that from thirty six thousand feet. Well, he's left us a little, a little, a little clip here. Do you, do you want me to play it, Grant? I'll see what he has to say. Oh no! Oh no! Bonjour, Grant. Bonjour, Huckleberry, and hello, listeners. It's Daniel McCarty here. Sorry, I couldn't be with you today for another exciting, award-winning episode of the Saturday Session. Without question, the greatest radio show on SENZ on a Saturday between 10 and 1 o'clock, that is. I'm currently on the Tim Bird, uh, winging our way towards France for Rugby World Cup 2023. I'm in the privileged position where I'll be on the ground for the station to provide colour, analysis uh, and live commentary. Cannot wait because this tournament is going to be fabulous. Why? It's just so wide open, isn't it? Seriously, who can remember a tournament this wide open? I cannot. And if you can put your sort of uh, loyalties of whoever you support to one side and you look at the whole tournament, that is fantastic. It's When it's wide open, we don't know what we're going to get, and that's when sport is at its very, very best. So it is my hope that we will uh, dial in and be able to, to speak to you fine gents on this wonderful program over the next couple of Saturdays as well. In the interim, Grant, treat the show with respect. I don't want to hear reports of three hours, three hours of you trying to increase your Everton supporters club from a measly pathetic seven or eight as it currently stands. Give the people <laughs> what they want. And what they want, Grant, is probably another Grant Elliott World Cup 11. What are we calling it? The Grant Elliott current but very likely to change and often World Cup XI. Go on, give them that. I'm sure they'll want to hear another episode of the Kane Clock the Kane Williamson Doomsday Clock. How close to midnight are we, Grant? How close to midnight are we? And I'm sure, Grant, they'll be very excited to hear a blow-by-blow account of uh, your return to the cricketing fields. Uh, wonderful effort. Uh, quite impressive, Grant, how you could return from Miami with as many runs as you had prior to the tournament. That, that is quite outstanding <laughs> stuff. That, that really is. I salute you. I raise my glass to you. Uh, brilliant effort, um, and also surviving Miami Beach with Chris Gale and his poll, uh, some achievement there. So can't wait to catch up with you next Saturday, team. Until then, uh, look after yourselves, um, enjoy this wonderful world of sport, and I'll catch up with you real soon. Tata, au revoir, Grant, au revoir, Huckleberry, and goodbye, listeners. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's got my number. <laughs> Talking about trying to pump up my Everton supporters club I think that was one of the first things I did and I have had a little text from Richie about that saying mate did we only avoid relegation last year so we could come dead last this year so not too positive from you Richie um, but we got John on the line John Morning Magic how are you? Yeah oh, Crossy how are you doing? Yeah I'm, I'm, good. Magic. I'm good Yourself Yourself Hey, um, yeah, just a quick really question. good. What do you and Daniel McCarty have in, have in, um, have done the same thing? Oh, what have we done that is the same? Uh, yeah, not to. I've got no idea. Played in played cricket in Holland. Nope. Both coached nine eye cricket teams. Ah. Ah, oh, well, I was uh, technically I was a player coach. Was he player coach as well? No, he was coach of the women's team. Typical. 
right. Okay, that that makes a bit of sense. How how are the mighty Nine looking with recruitment for this coming season? Well, we're hoping that you're coming out of retirement, mate. You know, uh, I think you might have a couple of mates that can come out and play for us, haven't you? Well, You're I don't know if you've seen if you've seen my recent form in Miami. Uh, Daniel McCarty alluded to it. Uh, um, I basically took more catches than I got runs, so it wasn't very fruitful with the blade. But I'm sure if you need a cover fielder, I'd be rearing to go. Well, if you're willing yourself, um, one of the things, one of our main stalwarts is retiring from like club duties this year. Who's that? Marty Marty Vaconi. Oh, Marty V. Marty V. He's going to step down and, you know, go and watch a little bit of cricket or whatever and have a bit of time off for himself. Now, now John, I, 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 love, I, love, I love my club, Nine-Eye, Nine-Eye Cricket Club. Yes. I always believe that when you, you have one club, you stick by it. And um, yes. I guess one of the things that I want to ask you is, is did you see that defeat today? The Black Caps, the T20. Oh, man, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it on my phone this morning because I don't have that um, that on the TV yet, but I can watch it on my phone. I was very disappointed, you know. Showed no no guts, you know. Um, shots they're playing, try and hit every ball for six, you know. Um, have they got the right mix there? Yeah, that's the question. How, how's the batting order looking? What do you think of the batting order at the moment? I mean, this is obviously well, a this this is a, a trial or a curtain raiser to the World Cup, you would think. Yeah. Okay. Are they going to miss Martin Guptill? What do you think? Has he yeah, still got great question? That is the first question I was going to ask the listeners. I was Martin Guptill, and I know Simon Dool straight after uh, the game finished. He said, "Martin Guptill, you who's actually just come off a hundred in the Caribbean League." Because you're looking Correcting. towards Finn, yeah, Finn Allen and uh, Will Young are probably the ones that are going up against him, or he's going to have to try and get back into the team. But I think the indication was already there almost six months ago that that was not going to be the case. I think he still has something to offer. Um, you know, as I, I, I did hear what Dooley was saying, and... Um, Mr. Gapdell has got a lot of things to offer, but is he, how old is he now? 30 what? He's 35, 36, I think, up now. Yeah, well, hey, they're still playing at that age, if you know what I mean, the shorter version. Yeah, that oh, absolutely. Long. And he's a brilliant well, fielder. Well, I'll tell you this, John, if they don't pick him in New Zealand, why don't you approach him for Nine Eye Cricket Club and you could give Māori V a big send-off. At the club, but uh, I love 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 hearing from you, mate. Uh, Good to hear from you, Magic. Thanks for the call. Take care. No problem, mate. Take care. There you go, John from Nine Eye. Spent many a a day with John Cross on the field at Nine Eye Cricket Club. Absolutely amazing uh, man that got our team together. We did not lose a one-day game in almost two years for Nine Eye Cricket Club. And great to hear from you, the listeners. But what are your thoughts on this batting lineup for New Zealand at the moment? I know that, you know, for me, uh, Daniel already alluded to it and said that um, my team has changed so often in the last three months 
that we've been uh, talking about it on the show. And I guess the thing is with um, with the team is that the Kane Williamson factor. Talking about Kane Williamson, will he play? Will he not play? Um, but the big talking point there, which John alluded to, was Martin Guptill. What is going to happen with Martin Guptill? Is he still potentially in the mix? I would say no. I'd say that they're giving Finn Allen the opportunity to um, to show what he's got. And he hasn't really, I guess, fired that much in the T20s. He's been playing in the 100 over there. He got a 60-odd in one of the games. But um, for me, Will Young's in the box seat. I think that Will Young someone who can actually play a long, longer innings, probably more of a, a test batter in those Indian conditions. Um, if the conditions do get a little bit scary, then he could probably take the reins and score big hundreds like he's shown that he can do. But let's get your thoughts. We're going to head to a break. Get your thoughts on the Black Caps, how they're faring at the moment. See you on the other end. Well, there's no Daniel McCarty. It's Grant Elliott here and Huckleberry on the Saturday sesh. We've had a great start to the morning. We heard from John. He's a bit concerned about New Zealand cricket's batting lineup leading into the World Cup and Thank you for those that are text through. I've got uh, one from Rob who said, The bowling lineup for New Zealand is simply embarrassing itself on the international stage, and that is without ever even discussing the batting. Well, Rob, I would say I actually think that our bowling is in much better shape than our batting. I think that we've got a lot of options with our bowling. When I look at our bowling, Adam Milne impressed tonight. He was probably the only impressive one. Just going at a miserly 5.75 and over when England amassed 198 in their 20 overs. Tim Southey getting tapped, Mitchell Satner, Lockie Ferguson, East Soda. You look at those names and you still think that there's, you know, Kyle Jamieson, um, you know, we've got Matt Henry and Trent Bolt that you can introduce to the mix. So, yes, is it poor bowling or has it just been exceptional batting? I must admit, when I turned on the TV, I think uh, England was seven overs in. And I started watching Johnny Bairstow and Harry Brook absolutely just take the sword to New Zealand with some impressive shots. There was, yes, I guess the bowling was under a bit of pressure. They were trying to nail the Yorkers, but and didn't. Johnny Bairstow has four sixes and eight fours, but Harry Brook. I mean, how can you leave a talent like that out of the World Cup squad for England? And when you look at their World Cup squad um, that they've selected. You've got, it's a provisional squad, so you have to send in your provisional squad by September 5th, and then further changes can be made to the squad by the 28th of September. So Joss Butler was the captain, Moen Ali, Gus Atkinson, Johnny Besto, Sam Curran, Liam Livingston, Dawood Milan, Adil Rashid, Joe Root, Jason Roy, Ben Stokes, Reese Topley, David Willey, Mark Wood, and Chris Wokes, and no Harry Brook which is unbelievable. Someone who averages 62 in test cricket uh, and a strike rate of 98. And what he's done in the last two games, he really has impressed. So obviously hurt him. It's great to see athletes when they are hurt with selection to come back and produce those performances that they have. Also got one from Michael. Thank you for your text. He says, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the new CEO for New Zealand cricket? Obviously New Zealand cricket announced in May that David White would be stepping down and they announced their new CEO, Scott Winnink. Um, 
and he's a New Zealand businessman and former first class cricketer, um, as well as a representative rugby player. I guess uh, my thoughts on it is, is he he looks like he comes from a, a fantastic background in business. But what I do think with cricket is that we are at an age now where international cricket is under threat. And we have to be innovative in the way that we think about how we can not only partner but embrace uh, franchise cricket or privately owned um, teams. Can you partner with them? Is there a way that almost in FIFA where if someone plays international football, whether or not the academy that you were brought up in gets funded or gets a kickback from that team that they end up playing for. For example, if you end up playing for Mumbai Warriors, do the Mumbai Warriors then give um, Wellington Cricket um, a certain percentage of his salary to say thank you for producing Ruch and Ravindra, for example, out of Wellington? Um, it is very volatile at the moment. Broadcast rights, test cricket under a little bit of threat. Uh, but I think it's the, more the advent of you know, things like T10, T20 around the world, these leagues just popping up everywhere. So an interesting time for the new CEO and um, a lot of time to get your head around it, but also be innovative, but also lobby um, at that ICC level to be able to have the partnerships and um, I guess the, the power to make decisions in world cricket. I think New Zealand cricket has probably never, ever had that that real power. It's always been India, Australia, England, and sometimes South Africa. So interesting times. I guess watch this space. Um, we've also had something from Paul who said, sorry, Daniel, it's not wide open. There's only two of the four teams to ever win the cup or win it, France or South Africa. Well, what are your thoughts? Because I managed to find something on the net and Huckleberry, you can give me your predictions of the World Cup, or you think, but these are the expert predictions that I came across. First of all, this was from a fan base, so this was crowdsourced as to what the general public thought would be the road to the final. And I'll tell you in the semis, both semi-finals that had Australia meeting Ireland, and England meeting New Zealand, New Zealand getting through, Ireland getting through in the final, and New Zealand being champion, which is great look for us. There was also um, the fans thought that in Pool A, obviously the biggest game coming up now, All Blacks versus France, had 62% of people saying that the All Blacks would win and beat France. However, when I look at the predictions of experts, we've got Jim Hamilton, who uh, was the creative director for Rugby Pass and former Scotland international. He had a France-New Zealand final, and France winning it. We then also had John Beattie's prediction, former Scotland international and pundit now. He had a France-Ireland final. He had Ireland beating New Zealand in the semis, and France ultimately winning it. Then had Owain Jones's prediction, who's a respected journalist and has been writing for Rugby Pass since 2019. He predicted the same. France, New Zealand final. France winning it. And that was New Zealand meeting Ireland in the semi-final. And then the final one was Stephen Ferris. Um, former Ireland and Ulster legend. He had an Ireland Springbok final. 
and he had the Springboks winning it. And he had New Zealand losing to Ireland in the semi-final. So, and France losing to the Springboks on their road to the final. So, do you have any predictions out there? How are we feeling after that loss the other day to the box? I think that there's some fans that are hurting out there at the moment. And I actually, I, I don't know which way it'll go. I must admit, the feeling I get looking at these predictions, looking at the sentiments from around the world, I think a lot of people think that France are the favourites going into this competition, um, which is unusual for, for the All Blacks to not have as much clout as they normally do going into a world tournament. You have any predictions there, Huckleberry? How are you feeling about it? Um, I'm going to just come on here and disagree with Paul very quickly. Um, I do think it is quite wide open. I do think there is probably four teams who have a very, very good chance at winning this World Cup. Obviously, Ireland, All Blacks, South Africa and France, probably my four picks. Um, I don't know which way it's going to go, and I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that what's thrown everyone off, and we look at... We mentioned the Black Caps, but we also look at the All Blacks as well. And you go prior to a World Cup to have a devastating loss. I mean, you know, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? You know, I look at the Black Caps now and they've, they've got pumped in the last two T20s. Yes, it's T20 cricket. It's not one-day cricket, I know, but it's also confidence for those sort of players. Is it a good thing to have had that massive defeat going into this World Cup, I actually think it is a good thing. I think it's a good thing as well. I feel like it definitely will open the eyes of not only the Black Caps, but and the All Blacks losing to South Africa. Um, a lot of things to take away from both games, and I'm sure both teams are going to work on heavily until the World Cup. And good thing, there was two weeks before the World Cup for the All Blacks, and I'm sure they've probably watched back this box game two, three, maybe even four times, what's going on in the breakdowns, kicking game, you know, only scoring seven points against the box side. I'm sure they've uh, they've definitely made some tweaks and I'm sure they're going to come out firing against France and hopefully look like the classic ABs we're all used to. Yeah, well, I mean, when I look at these, these votes that go in, like you say, four teams, Ireland, South Africa, France and New Zealand, but Australia just getting 2% of the votes in England as well. And when you look at the uh, the odds on the TAB, uh, you've got Australia at $13, England at 15 and New Zealand, France, South Africa and Ireland all really close from that $3.50 to $5. So it's an exciting tournament coming up and to be able to hear um, our good friend Daniel McCarty giving us the blow-by-blow blow commentary as well as having access to him every Saturday will be outstanding. Um, he is not only passionate about his rugby, but he is passionate about touring as well. So I think that we'll hear some, some stories about touring, about venturing out into the night lights of, uh, of France or Paris, and uh, hopefully he can extend his vocabulary as well, not just from, uh, from au revoir to some other beautifully phrased uh, French comments. I'm looking forward to it, eh? I'm sure his stories won't be as entertaining as the Australian cricket side climbing up on top of the gondola, um, but I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, we haven't heard from any stories from our listeners. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking to Christian Sizen later in Swinging Both Ways, where um, he's going to tell us a story about Russell Crowe. But, you know, everyone asks the story about 
cricketers and they go, why are there so many stories about cricketers? And I think the reason being is because we spent almost three months together, you know, <laughs> touring. When, when I speak to the rugby players and they go, oh, we've got, you know, we've got a bit of a tough tour coming up. And I'm like, oh, where's that to? Oh, Argentina. I'm like, jeez, mate, try and do Bangladesh for three months. That's a, that's a mission and a half. Um, but we spend so much time together that there are a lot of stories that come out and uh, you get so close as a unit. You get really so close as a, as a team. Um, and Mark's just come through. And he believes that his predictions are Scotland are the dark team. I believe they will knock out Ireland or South Africa. They have been building for the last two years. Gee, well, there you go. I didn't see that coming. Um, Paul's come back with how can it be a good thing when our strongest team got smashed by the biggest ever winning margin? Love your optimism, but think your head, with your head, not your heart. I will say, Paul. Thank you for your, your comments. But what I will say is that we did have someone sent off. So that makes a, a big difference. But what I do know is that when you're playing in a tournament or prior to a tournament, you'd rather something like that happens prior to a tournament than in a tournament because I think you can plan for it and you can reflect. And what you do is you start fine-tuning things. And I'm sure that that, that reflection will be there. And what, what I do say is I think that the, it'll make them stronger for the run. Um, I think that a huge upset like that is a massive shake-up, not only for the players, but also for the public. So let me hear your thoughts about that. Um, it's great to get your views. 0800-150-811. Text us on double eight double three. We'll see you after the break. Well, there's no Daniel McCarty, just me, Gron Elliott, and Huckleberry. He's swanning around. Uh, well, he's 36,000 feet, actually, in the air at the moment, but he will be swanning around in France to bring us blow-by-blow blow every minute and second of the Rugby World Cup. But stay tuned here because we've got a great show coming up. We're almost finishing this first hour, and we will be at 11.15, swinging both ways, um, with Razine, we're going to be speaking to Christian Sizen. We're going to go into the Black Caps World Cup preparation. We've also got David Choate later on to speak about English Premier League. What's happening there? I'm sure there's some supporters out there Man City, Manchester United, Liverpool, and a few of my Everton supporters, all eight of us. Uh, we will be supporting the bottom of the table. And then later after 12 o'clock, we've got Thomas Waldrum. Um, he is a regular on the show, he will be talking All Blacks and Rugby World Cup because I know that we're all predicting and some of you don't like those predictions that I threw out there. Just telling you what the experts are saying. So stay with us and we'll see you on the other end of the show or the Saturday session for more news and interviews.